Hey, Shanna, did you know that you can purchase audiobooks directly from your local bookstore? Yes. With Libro FM, you'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there. You know the name. But with Libro FM, you get to search up your local indie bookstore and support them instead. And if you're new to audiobooks, they're the perfect way to squeeze more reading into your busy life. I constantly have a book in my ear because cleaning the house or exercising is so much more fun while reading. Sign up for Libro.fm and use the code GOODBOOKS to get two books instead of one for the price of your first month's membership. Good books. Good books. Sentence. A grammatical unit comprising a word or a group of words that is separate from any other grammatical construction and usually consists of at least one subject with its predicate and contains a finite verb or verb phrase. For example, the door is open and go are sentences. The door is open. Go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Best Book Club podcast. I'm Shanna. And I'm Jen. And welcome to our March Book Club. This month, we will be discussing The Sentence by Louise Erdrich, which has been recently announced as longlisted for the Women's Prize for Fiction. We accidentally read one. Yeah, (laughs) accidentally, I know. Last year, we intentionally read a whole bunch of them, and then we were very sad after. (laughs) So sad. Turns out, Women's Prize for Fiction books, good way to make yourself sad. Yeah. (laughs) So far... It's uh, the same this year. Yeah, well, <laughs> out of all one. Actually, I haven't even looked at the long list yet. I only know a couple. We'll have to talk about that next week. Yes. All right. So Louise Erdrich is a prize-winning Native American author of novels, poetry, and even some children's books, apparently. Uh, she has won countless awards for her writing over her career that has so far spanned almost 50 years. But most notably, her book, The Plague of Dubs, was a finalist for the Pulitzer Prize. And her book, The Night Watchman, actually won the prize in 2021. And now this book has been longlisted for the Women's Prize. So pretty good. She was born Karen Louise Erdrich in 1954 in Minnesota and is part of the Anishinaabe people. She attended Dartmouth as well as John Hopkins University, where she earned a master's in arts. I also always say Erdrich. But I listened to the audio, and she says it Erdrich. Okay. I mean. Erdrich. I mean, she is the narrator of her own audio, so she knows her last name. She probably knows. I mean, <laughs> but it's really hard for me not to say Erdrich, so I will probably yeah. also say it. Well, I don't think we have to say it again. Well, we'll see. Maybe I'll say it for fun. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> so, Shanna, you want to give the synopsis of what this book is about? Always. A small independent bookstore in Minneapolis is haunted from November 2019 to November 2020 by the store's most annoying customer. Flora dies on All Souls Day, but she simply won't leave the store. Tookie, who has landed a job selling books after years of incarceration that she survived by reading with murderous attention, must solve the mystery of this haunting while at the same time trying to understand all that occurs in Minneapolis during a year of grief, astonishment, isolation, and furious reckoning. All right, Shanna, what did you think of this book and what would you rate it? Um, I want to read the book that I just read a synopsis for. (laughs) Me also. Yeah, I felt a little tricked by this book. (laughs) I do not think that it's really the book's fault so much. And I'll get into that a little bit later because it was definitely well written. I could not say that Louise 
Erdrich mm-hmm. <laughs> is not a good writer because she definitely knows how to turn a phrase. And you could see that she loves books, obviously. She had the self-insert in this book. Mm-hmm. And that is her real bookstore that she really has. Yep. And there were a whole lot of – she was name-dropping books like crazy, which I kind of appreciated. But uh, I don't know. Three stars. I don't want to read COVID. (laughs) I also – so it's going to make me sound like such a jerk because we just lived all of this. I mean, COVID has been hard for everybody. Black Lives Matter is obviously super important. Everything, everything that has happened in the last few years has been super, super important. And I don't want to read about any of it because I've been living it. And I'm so tired and my reading is not where I want this weight. And so for me, oh, it's just not the headspace or anything that I wanted to be reading. But I think the book was decent. I enjoyed the first half more than the second half because that's when all of that reality got in there. But yeah, I don't know. I'm going to call it three stars because it was quality writing, but I didn't really enjoy reading it because of me. How about you, Jen? Yeah, I am going to have to agree. Three stars, maybe even a little bit less because I also did not enjoy reading this book at all. It was such a slog for me. And yeah, same. I could see that it was a good book. It was an important story. It was good writing. But I despised every second that I was reading it. I did not want to. I wanted to stop. And if it wasn't for the book club this month, I probably wouldn't have. I would have DNF'd it probably a quarter of the way. I did audio, which I think was probably helpful. Mm -hmm. You read it in a physical book. Yeah, it took me over two weeks, which is a long time. When I was physically, I was picking it up every day and it was just, oh my God, I could not keep my attention on it because yeah, I I don't want to read about COVID. I just, I even hate in TV shows now where there's COVID. Like I just, I I want it gone, Mm -hmm. not in the things that I do to escape COVID. (laughs) Yes. The way she wrote it was really like true to actually how it was like Mm -hmm. to the, to a T and it was, it was just kind of freaky to hear someone else's experience of the whole thing and how they felt and how it kind of went down and developed in their lives and have it be exactly the same as my experience. It was, mm-hmm. it was too much. <laughs> there were some things I really liked about the book, but like I said, I wanted a haunted bookstore. This was not a haunted bookstore. <laughs> no. I mean, there was a haunted bookstore. It was a pretty small, actually, part of the entire book. Yeah. But yeah, not a bad book. Well-written it's the only Louise Erdrich that I've ever read, so I don't really have anything to compare it to. She's a well-known, I mean, she's got awards and stuff. Yeah, she's a very well-loved author, very important Indigenous author, but I don't think her books are for me. And this is the kind of book that made me kind of think, do I hate reading? Mm, and I wasn't fun. sure if that's like the book's fault or just me, and I can I make this... Uh, excuse a lot lately just because I'm in such a unique headspace. But yeah, it made me feel like I think I hate reading. I don't I can't even like a book about books. Yeah, it is kind of weird. Usually a book about books, it's such a cheat 
to get readers to read your book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but saw that real life. I Yeah, I didn't like it when it was happening. I don't like it again. So, yeah. You ready to talk about it? This is obviously going to be a fun one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, let's get to it. Okay, so from here on out, this episode will contain spoilers for this book. You have been warned. The book begins with an indigenous woman named Tookie and her friend Danae. Danae convinces Tookie to steal a body for her and she agrees. The body, a man named Budgie, has OD'd and Danae insists that she needs his body because he's the love of her life. If Tookie agrees to do it, she'll give her the $26,000 she recently won at the casino. So Tookie borrows a refrigerated truck from her old job, borrows, drives (laughs) to his house, (laughs) convinces his wife that she is there to take him to his final resting place, and takes the body back to Danae. I loved this. This was a fun way to open, and I was actually pretty pumped for the book. Yeah, but pretty much... Directly after this, the book takes a very significant tone change. Yes. And is not this at all. One, I couldn't, I just couldn't get over the name Tookie. (laughs) I just had such a hard time with it. Yeah. I just hated it. (laughs) Maybe listening, because Louise Erdrich, Erdrich, I'm just going to say it as much as humanly possible now. Yeah. (laughs) She narrates the audiobook and you have to turn her up to one and a half times speed. To make her sound like she's speaking at a normal person's <laughs> speed. Yeah. But she has the native, would accent be the right word? Like she yeah. does, yeah. Okay. So when you say Tookie and with her voice and everything, it actually sounds good. Yeah, I can hear it in my head what that would sound like. And I can see that that would be better. Yeah. So I'd had no problem with Tookie. Me, as a Canadian, did not like reading about Tookie. Oh. Which is how Canadians would say it. Eh? <laughs> but yeah, this was a really fun uh, intro to the book. Oh, I mean, fun in that like I was like, oh, cool. A bunch of drug addicts. Where are we going from here? Yeah. But. Right. Yeah, it was a little bit odd. Uh, Tiki was very into stealing this body and she did a great job at it. How much did you love Graves to Groves? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that is... That sounds good to me. We all know that, that that's on my list of ways that I want my body to be taken care of. That's right. <laughs> well, it turns out that Budgie actually had a lot of crack taped to his body. And Danae and his wife were now saying that Tuki planned the entire thing to transport drugs over state lines. And she's arrested and sentenced to 60 years in prison. But she's released in under 10 when the other two admit that they actually set her up to take the fall. Yes. I like um, when they were interrogating her and they're like, how'd you know it was duct tape? So, like, uh, uh, what uh, color was it? All the colors. Yeah. How was I supposed to know there was rainbow duct tape? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Rainbow duct tape is what put her behind bars. I do love that she just went and stole a dude's body though. I know. She thought about putting it in a refrigerated truck and everything. Like, yeah. She's not, she's not dumb. She was just high. I also love that she's like, how is this a crime? <laughs> I just relocated the body from her house to her house. Yeah. I listened to an interview and Louise Erdrich, eh, is that right? Mm, okay. yes. <laughs> she said that she couldn't find any actual laws that says you can't do that. 
You can't take, you can't snatch a body and move it somewhere else if, unless there was like a crime. So she had to add in like the drugs to make it a crime that she would be put away in jail for. Oh, so he probably had the crack in his armpits and then he died? Because could they have just like taken the crack out of his armpits? Well, they could have, but they wanted her to move it. They wanted her to get arrested for crack? Well, they wanted her to move the body. But I thought they just wanted the crack. I don't know. They're, they're on drugs. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I thought this was a good way to move drugs, and it wasn't. It's not. You could have just taken it out of his armpits and taped it to a cat. I don't you probably know. could have just driven it because you can just drive on roads. You can. It's not yeah. like you're going across country borders. It'd be a little bit different than state borders. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I think actually stealing a truck makes it worse. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know what they're thinking, but... They weren't thinking clearly. Transporting crack is... Worse than stealing a body, apparently. Turns out. I've never sat down and compared the two crimes. <laughs> yeah, modern day body snatching isn't a thing that really happens very often anymore. <laughs> that we know about. I don't know. It's going to come up in the next four books we read. So you just uh, Yes. <laughs> the simulation is listening. <laughs> so she gets out and gets a job at an indigenous bookstore. She gets married to Pollux, who was actually the tribal cop who arrested her. And she never thought she would get to, but now she gets to live a regular life with a regular job and a regular husband. Did you feel like we kind of just skipped over prison? Yeah. I was kind of like, why? We barely even flash back to it. Yeah. And so it's kind of one of those things. It's like the sentence. She was sentenced to prison. But eh, the only thing that happened that we really know about is that she read a lot. She read so much. Apparently she read up. Yeah. It's kind of one of those things where it's like, okay, so why why do we why do we even get that part of the story when we don't even get to have that part of the story? Mm-hmm. We kind of like a little bit. It relates. I don't know. I also feel like there was a depth to this story that I did not partake in. Yes, so I agree. <laughs> there could be like a beautiful parallel between the time in prison and something. Else. I just I wasn't in getting in the deep end there. No. Anyone, if anyone has any insights, we'd love to hear them. What did oh, yeah, we miss? Please. What did we miss? We'll read it if you send us in something because we need to know. Because I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. This book is popular. A lot of people really love it. I've heard so many people say that this is their favorite book of all time. I've heard really great things about it. Yeah. Yeah. The best books that they've read all last year. Like, and I'm like, what? I, I, I think it might be an us problem. Yes. Partly, largely. Largely. Almost entirely. (laughs) Almost entirely. Probably, yes. I did like, one thing I did like about this book, I did like the relationship between Tuki and Pollux. Oh, me too. Yeah. They were like the bright spot in this dark, dark 2020 time. Oh, I love Tuki and Pollux and Tuki and, not Jamal, what's his name? The baby. Rupert? Jarvis. Jarvis. Yeah. Oh my god. If it had just been the Tookie and Jarvis special, yeah. I would have read just that. Yeah. Because they were my favorite part. Yeah. <laughs> they were cute. Oh. Oh, and the indigenous bookstore that she gets the job at is actually Louise Erdrich's bookstore. Yep. She owns a bookstore in Minneapolis called Birch Bark Books. And that's this bookstore. We learned some stuff later about Birch Bark. Something about burning it or mm. I don't know. She had talked about it. And I was like, is this the world's longest explanation of why you named your bookstore? Possibly. Yeah. 
<laughs> Sometimes she does seem to just like kind of go off on little ramblings that I'm like, what is the meaning of what you're saying? I'm sure it's there. It's just not in my brain. It's not in my brain. My brain is not ready. Ugh. My brain was not prepared. <laughs> That's because I was expecting a ghost story. Yes. I was expecting a spooky Halloween book. <laughs> I thought we were going to get spooky bookstore times. I didn't realize that the haunting was going to be internal. <laughs> yeah. And also generational. Yeah, <laughs> because, of course, this regular life that she gets is interrupted when uh, her most, one of her most annoying customers dies. And unfortunately, dying does not stop this customer from coming into the bookshop every day. Her name is Flora, and she was annoying because she loved Indigenous culture so much. Too much. She inserted herself into it every chance she got. She said that she was native in past lives. She said that her great great grandmother or something was native. She showed up at powwows. She was everywhere. But she also did a lot of good by doing things like raising money for indigenous charities, fostering and, and adopting indigenous children, and generally just helping people that needed it. So she was annoying, but she was also pretty much an angel in that way. And Flora's story, by the time we actually finally get there, was pretty good. And mm -hmm. it was about identity and struggling to find that identity and struggling with, you know, not having what you had hoped for. And I mean, that was great, but good Lord, we took the longest route possible. So long. At this point, I really kind of felt for Flora. I mean, I, I did lots of times throughout the book, but I kind of, I felt for her because when I was growing up, when I was little, all of my friends were native, all of them. And I was the only white one. And so I got to see them doing all these things as a part of their culture. And I wanted so badly to be involved and to be included. And it was just like nothing major, like they'd go to powwows or, you know, make bannock at home or go to like their carrier language classes or all these things. And I was, I wanted so badly to be inserted into, the, into that, but I could, <laughs> yeah. I could never be. <laughs> right. It just kind of created like this love for for indigenous culture that I've kind of like had all along for the whole rest of my life. But I kind of always have to like watch it, watch it from like a distance, the sidelines and just, yeah. Um, so I can, I can understand kind of how Flora feels a little bit, but she just didn't really know when to watch from a distance. You don't go in and be like, I am also indigenous. Yeah. And then people mm. just look at you like, mm, I don't no. think you are. No. I mean, I may have said something like that when I was like, seven or something but you know i didn't know that you're not supposed to do that my dad grew up in manitoba and so all of his friends growing up as well were indigenous and my dad has darker skin than i do mm -hmm. and when he's in the sun he gets like quite brown so he used to when he was a kid or like a young teenager dye his hair blue black and he just fit in completely with them he didn't yeah pretend to be indigenous he just didn't stand out as a white guy i guess yeah but i could not pull it off that's no. for sure <laughs> no, no not at all me neither me neither and they it was pointed out to me <laughs> yeah quite often <laughs> <laughs> yeah anyways uh, as annoying as she was she was also a great lover of literature and she and tookie spent a lot of time talking about books and she missed that so while it was a bit scary when she heard flora's ghost walking the aisles of her favorite section at first she told her that she didn't have to leave 
you know, yeah, it ends up getting a lot worse. But I feel like Tookie was kind of a jerk. Like at the end, when we realize all of the things, mm-hmm. like Tookie, what, what's your problem? Flora was pretty nice to you. Yep, right? Like all all along. And there, she alludes quite a few times that they were friends. And then she's like, no, we're not friends. She was so annoying. Hated her the worst. Well, you, we don't exactly get that. Because how old is Tookie? I don't know. She's got to be in her 40s. I felt like she was 50s. And then sometimes I felt like the way they described her, she was like 30s. And I was like, I don't know. Right? Because she, I think she had to be in the, her 40s or 50s because their daughter, Hedda, would have been, it sounded like, early 20s. So they've got to be at least 12 years older. Right? Wasn't Hedda like their niece or something? Their niece, yes. Yeah. But I guess after her parents died, yeah, her uncle, that that's just how they do it, I guess. I think Pollux was older. I yeah. can't remember. doesn't matter. But I, I just pictured Tuki as Louise Erdrich. <laughs> that's what <laughs> well, I just pictured. was in the book. Right? <laughs> yeah. But- so I just pictured her like, I don't know, she seems like she's probably in her 50s or so. So Yeah. So, I mean, very earliest, she would be in her 30s. Yeah, some sometime between thirty and sixty-five. <laughs> My point is that if Flora, as we find out later, has known Tookie literally her entire life from mm. gestation, yeah, that is a long time to then deny that you know this person. Very yeah, well. so I was, I was a little bit confused by that. And aren't people in your community going to be like, "Yeah, no, you we know." Her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. This is kind of one of those places where I thought maybe I'm missing something here. Mm-hmm. But I reread a few times um, some of the pages, and I thought it's not saying. So I don't know. But yeah, when we got to the reveal later, I was like, "What, Tookie? <laughs> <laughs> she's like, she's a very closed off person. She doesn't really give a lot outwardly. No, which I appreciate. Yeah, I, <laughs> I definitely identify." <laughs> Which is probably why I didn't like Tookie that much, because I'm like, "Ah, I see you. I don't like it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, at first she says, oh, Flora, you don't have to leave. You can hang around. But it doesn't take long for Flora to start being mischievous. She starts messing up papers and knocking books to the floor. And then this was nice. Tookie realizes how frustrating it would be for a book lover to be surrounded by books, but to not have the strength to actually pick them up and read them. So... She starts leaving books open around the store for her. That is very nice. Yeah, I like that. Flora's daughter brings her a book from her mom's collection. It was the one she was reading when she died. Ooh, <laughs> spooky. When Tookie finally opens it up, she finds that it is a very old journal. It's called The Sentence, An Indian Captivity, 1862 to 1883. It was hard to make out all of the text, but it seemed to be the story of a captured Native woman during the time of the Dakota War. The story feels too heavy for Tookie to read, so she puts it in her hard-to-be-read pile on the nightstand. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, And she reaches for the book from the easy pile. The first one happens to be Rebecca by Daphne du Maurier, which is a book she loves. I was like, excuse me. (laughs) (laughs) I see what she's saying here. Come on. I do. Rebecca is is an easier read than a, a manuscript from, from 1862. <laughs> yeah. Oh, 1860 to the 1600s. <laughs> Still. Yeah. Um, but great book choice, Tookie. We love some yeah. Rebecca over here on this podcast. <laughs> we sure do. We sure do. <laughs> <laughs> but I love the idea of having a hard to be read pile and an easy one because this book, the sentence, belongs in the hard to be read in pile. In the hard pile. 
Absolutely. And then directly after reading it, I had to pick one from my easy pile. But one thing that I did really like here was the description of what Flora's book collection was like. She had all of these books on white bookshelves and they were all in white paper covers. And it was just shelves and shelves of white covered paper books. I loved it. I wanted to put all my books in white covers. I didn't. (laughs) I did. I love it. And they're all embossed. So cool. You know, have you seen pictures in magazines where they're like, if you want to create a clean aesthetic on your bookshelf, turn all your books backwards. Oh, okay. But I hate that. Oh my God. (laughs) That's what I think of. I tried taking, I was trying to take, do a TikTok or pictures or something. And I was like, oh, these books look stupid. Like their spines didn't look good together. So I was like, I'll just turn them around for some reason. But (laughs) I don't know if I'm like just really dirty or my hands are dirty (laughs) when I'm reading or these are just used books. I don't know. But they're all like, they did not look good. (laughs) It looked really (laughs) gross and like, (laughs) was not like a nice white aesthetic. It was fingerprints and smudges and coffee stains. And so I turned them back around. So you just want the covers so that you can hide your grubby little books. <laughs> yeah, because I'm disgusting, apparently. It's too much like snacking while reading. I don't understand. <laughs> but yeah, I love the idea of putting all my books in little white covers and yeah, embossing them all. Yeah, when you've got time, you let me know. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to do it, but if someone did it for me, oh, I'm so happy. Also, I made a little note here that Tuki reads with a headlamp, which is awesome, (laughs) as a book light. I did not notice. I don't think I did. That's right, because she looks at Pollux and he's like, what? Come on. Yeah, she just looks over at him. She has her headlamp on. Like, that's a great idea. I'm like, book lights are always in the way. I don't know. If it's coming right off my head, better. Anyways, so when she finally does pick up the book again, she skips ahead to the page that Flora's daughter had marked as the page that she had been reading when she died. And as Tuki reads the page, something happens and she basically passes out dead asleep for the rest of the night. Tuki just does that all the time, apparently. (laughs) Yeah. This is normal for her. I mean, I fall asleep while reading too, but. No, she has like a super easy pass out threshold. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Generally, she's a light sleeper, but she's really confused in the morning that not only did Pollux get into bed without waking her up, but a giant tree fell over in her yard. And so she thinks that the book is trying to kill her, like it killed Flora, and she tries to destroy it. She tries lighting it on fire, but it won't burn. She tries hacking it with an axe. Nope. So she buries it in the yard. I mean, really, what else was she going to do? Yeah. She can give it away for it to kill other people. Is this a magic book? Yeah, is it a magic book? Did she actually do these things? Because it wasn't a magic book. <laughs> <laughs> why wouldn't it catch on fire? Yeah. What, why, why wouldn't it cut with an axe? I've never tried to axe a book, but we might need to do an experiment. Was it just like a mental block that she was having? <laughs> I don't know. So later we find out that the line was meaningful to Tookie, mm-hmm. but not as meaningful as I feel like it should have been to make you pass out and then well, destroy the book. Yeah, it's meaningful. She reads it and then she immediately just rejects it. It's like, no, no. But, and she even goes on later to say, like, my childhood wasn't that bad. <laughs> so, like, what's your problem, Took? I do not know. I must be missing something major. <laughs> I don't know. It was a pretty extreme reaction. My nickname growing up has always been Schnooky. Mm-hmm. I'm not even making that up. It's actually Schnooky. 
Snooky Tucky. Weird coincidence. I can't imagine reading. You read you read the name Tookie and then you just instantly pass out. <laughs> Passed out. And then you like, Whoa. beat the crap out of the book. <laughs> <laughs> right? I, I don't know. <laughs> Asima, who is one of the other employees from the bookstore, comes over to check out the tree, and Tookie sees her standing in her yard looking down at the very same spot where she buried the book, and Asima has no reason as to why she's doing it. Later, we learn that Asima actually came back and dug up the book. Sneaky. Hmm. Flora had stolen it from her when she was alive, which I did not make the connection that this old manuscript, like, I should have. Yeah, because they did say it. It's very clearly. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, whatever. Why are they talking about that? <laughs> I just didn't have the brain power to be yeah. like, oh, you mean There's, the main book? <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is a clue. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. See, honestly, guys, if I was not picking up on that clue, how many things did I miss? <laughs> so many. <laughs> when Tookie finds out that she dug up the book, she's very upset. I'm pretty sure she actually passes out about it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, she was so bad. It's it's Asima's book, so. <laughs> like, yeah. There's, didn't Asima know what it was called? Why didn't she just say to Tuki, it's called The Sentence, that book that she stole? Yeah. And Tuki would be like, ah. Uh, <sighs> passed out. <laughs> passed out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So Kateri, Flora's daughter, calls Tuki to tell her that there was a mistake. The ashes that she was given were not her mother's because Flora's body just turned up in the morgue. That's another point against cremation. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently some other guy's body was burned and then given away. I heard that when you get your pet cremated, they just give you whatever. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) So why did I pay to have so much money to have my dog cremated? (laughs) I don't know, but I don't know whose ashes you got. Probably Damn. not Woofies or whatever your dog's name was. I don't know. Well, it was Opie, but Woofies. <laughs> I was close. close. <laughs> <laughs> this is where we pass out too, right? <laughs> so also, she goes to identify her mother's body because she wants to make sure that it's actually her mother and, you know, to watch her go into the flames. And she says that she looked way younger than she had when she died. And this seemed like it was important. It did. It was not. <laughs> I thought, ooh, some... Some weird spooky ghost stuff is happening. No, didn't matter. Maybe it's just because in death, we lose all of our worries. Yeah, which they say a few times. Maybe she just is, you know, relaxed because she's dead. But being dead does sound relaxing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so good. I think it was just another one of those times where I was expecting something spooky and didn't get it so go something deep instead yeah <laughs> i wasn't prepared for and i didn't look for and i missed it when tookie and pollux's niece slash adopted daughter hedda comes to visit she brings with her a surprise baby boy named jarvis which i loved jarvis <laughs> is a great name put it on your list i will not but <laughs> <laughs> all right straight from your list <laughs> hedda generally hates tookie and their relationship isn't great. But motherhood seems to have changed Hedda, and things are better for a while, until Tookie butts in a little bit when she starts asking more questions about the baby's father, who is apparently a writer. Then the relationship goes downhill again immediately. 
Um, I feel like asking questions about the baby's father is fair. Mm -hmm. I thought their relationship was pretty good, uh, considering. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I kind of thought that Hedda was a bit dramatic a lot of times. But later we find out that Tuki does kind of loses it sometimes. So there was a lot. And since we're getting this story from Tuki's point of view, she sees herself in a different light and her relationships in a different light and her interactions differently Mm -hmm. (laughs) than how they happened. So according to Tuki, Hedda is unreasonable and she just can't connect with her. But I think there's quite a bit more to the story. There's got to be. Because everything seemed, I don't know, like... Hedda wasn't being that upset, really, but Toki thought she was way more upset than, I don't know, maybe mm-hmm. I just have a higher expectation for freakouts. <laughs> yeah, 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 probably. Although, I don't know, you get a lot nicer once you have a baby, because yes. you need to hand that thing off. Yeah. <laughs> so you better get nice. The more friends you have, the better. The better. At the bookstore, Tuki sees this guy named Laurent talking to Asima, and he tells her about the book he's writing where a young man meets a woman at a bookstore and yada, yada, yada. What a line. And it is very similar to the story Hedda told her about the way she met Jarvis's father. Asima obviously likes this guy and who he wonders if she should tell her what she suspects. She also wonders if she should tell Hedda what she suspects. And then she does not. And then she doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> I would have at least told Asima. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I mean, sure, you've got a more fragile relationship with Hedda, but Asima's your coworker. Yeah. And you don't want her to date an ass. Trash daddy, right? Yeah. <laughs> One of those weird things that Tuki does or does not do. <laughs> Kettery calls her and tells her that she has to come to Flora's cremation because she was her best friend, <laughs> which was news to Tuki. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which we all have those moments, I feel like sometimes. <laughs> sometimes, suddenly, yes. Suddenly you have a best friend. It happens. Suddenly you have a best friend and you're at their cremation and you're like, whoa, (laughs) this escalated real fast. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Kettery is insisting that they watch her mother go into the fire so that she can be sure this time that there was no mix up. Apparently Kettery hasn't realized that Flora had intended to be cremated at a specific place. So obviously this is why Flora had gotten herself lost at the other crematorium. (laughs) It was intentional. Oh, Flora. Causing so many problems. I mean, good move though. <laughs> I mean, but this this just goes to show you try cremating me, you're gonna find me <laughs> composting in your compost instead. <laughs> Damn it, Jen. <laughs> <laughs> Whose ashes do I have? <laughs> <laughs> just so you guys know, we do have an episode where we talk about this. We're not just insane. <laughs> yes, yes, we do. If you have not listened to last week's what we're reading and other stuff, maybe do that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This will all make a lot more sense. (laughs) After the cremation, Flora's ghost is quiet and Tuki almost thinks that maybe she is finally at rest, but she comes back. Tuki finds a random poem in the till, then the poem goes missing, but later we find out the poem was just written by Penstemon? Penstemon, I think. Penstemon? It was, I didn't even like listening to it. It was a very difficult name. It's a weird (laughs) name. And her and Asima, they were just the same to me. So I just kind of... I did kind of just make them one being. Yeah, they were just both Asima because that was easier. than. But she wasn't Asima to me. She was with um, Jackie. Oh, okay. Well, they're all just mixed up to me. But anyways, she wrote it. And by the way, she's another 
bookstore employee. And it went missing because she took it home. And it was this whole big thing where Tuki was freaked out that this poem showed up. And I read the poem and I tried to get meaning out of the poem and I could not. But then you find out that she just wrote it when she was real high on glue. Yeah. <laughs> and then it still felt like it was important. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. It meant nothing. In my head, anyways. Maybe it meant everything. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. I, I'm not very good at poetry, so it could have been the best poem ever, but I don't know. <laughs> I suck. Anyways, Tuki is becoming increasingly freaked out about the haunting. She asks everyone's advice, and they mostly think that she's crazy. And then she starts to feel Flora touching her and hears her talking to her. She starts manipulating the music, and then Tuki believes that Flora has possessed her. And Tuki does not want to be left alone in the bookstore anymore. She's totally freaked out. Yes. Okay. And now Tuki is clean. Yeah. And sober. Yeah. So Not sober. She still drinks beers, but clean. Oh, yes. So she's clean, but she's not like a drunk. Yeah. No. So uh, she's really being haunted. Right? I don't know. And at first she was okay with it. And then she gets increasingly not okay with it. Although I think that there was a whole bunch of like – Native culture with spirits. Mm-hmm. So there was lots of like smudging and stuff, which was very interesting. I feel like we heard it like 400 times. Yeah. So it got less interesting by the end. Yeah. So I don't want to be rude. Like if it's a culture thing with the spirit and Tuki, I don't know. Well, they went back and forth a lot because Pollock's believes it in like a spiritual way and Tuki believes in it like a I don't know a less formal type way (laughs) (laughs) and I couldn't tell what was really happening what was real seems like another one of those depth I couldn't touch things yeah because I couldn't really understand why Tuki was getting like more and more freaked out by her or if Flora was really haunting like why she was like amping up the haunting why was she getting so aggressive yeah like she was literally trying to, what was it she says later? Unzip her body and wear her? <laughs> yeah, later. Yeah, that's exactly. She like, <laughs> Flora like attacks Tuki and yeah, unzips her body and tries to wear her like a Tuki suit. Yeah. And it was kind of white graphic and like visceral. <laughs> in the description. And so I was like, is she having like aftershocks from drugs? Or is she... <laughs> Um, Even Pollux is like, "Uh, you know, you're not supposed to be drinking on the job, right? She just finds her passed out. Yeah. (laughs) Well, she passes out all the time. (laughs) Okay. So now COVID has started. So we get a rehash of how all of that started and the feelings that came along with it. I was not here for. No, I did not want to feel those feelings. No. I hate them. I've been trying to ignore these feelings for the past two years. (laughs) I've read so much stuff that I would once have considered fluffy. But now, Mm -hmm. you know what? I've got a full-on niche (laughs) because I've given up on hard – the hard stack is gone. (laughs) Yeah, there's no more hard-to-be-read pile. (laughs) Now I have a good stack. Mm -hmm. Good stack only. The bookstore has to close, but it's deemed to be an essential service, so they're still able to do online orders and curbside pickup. I did kind of like, I remember when bookstores were considered essential, and that was a good feeling as a reader. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very nice. I noted that the bookstore had to close on March 24th, and it just made me remember that the coffee shop had to close on March 23rd that year. Mm. We were not essential. (laughs) 
You are not essential. No, I, I think you're essential. <laughs> you're essential to me. Yeah. <laughs> I will say that having two months off of work was pretty nice, but especially at yeah. the end of my pregnancy, beginning of Kelly's life. But still, 2020 sucked. Don't want to read about it. Yeah. No, thank you. No. And then George Floyd is murdered and the riots in Minneapolis start. Hedda and Asima have started dating and they spend a lot of time attending all the marches. So we get like a really in-depth look at that, which was kind of interesting because like as Canadians, we were just kind of like watching it on the news and kind of had a very different view, I think, of what was going on. Because we just had, we were just looking at it through the media and... So it was kind of interesting being kind of like in the front lines and and seeing what people's experience was there. Yeah, and all we had, because we were all inside, we had the whole COVID thing happening. So it was everywhere. It was constant. Mm -hmm. And when she's showing her uncle, dad, the video, I was like, oh, yeah, no, I, I yeah, no, yeah. I don't want to. I mean, we have to remember it. Obviously, it's important, but I don't. It's just so want. already ingrained. It's like on my brain, stuck there forever, forever. And yeah, it was it was interesting to read this perspective, but it was also not where I wanted to be at this point in time because mm -hmm. I've already yes. processed that as much as I personally can at this point in time. At this point in time, it was. Interesting, there was the whole dynamic of Pollux being an ex-cop. Mm -hmm. So there was some of the Black Lives Matter, blue, well, they didn't really do Blue Lives Matter, but more of like a cop's perspective. Yeah, and how that would be kind of a difficult thing to, to face too, because obviously he's a good one. Mm -hmm. He's not, his identity as a cop is kind of challenged. And Well, and he yeah. says, when she says, would you have stopped him? I hope I would have, mm -hmm. but he's not saying I would have. Yeah, which is the problem. Mm -hmm. And Pollux is a good guy. Like he's a good. He's not a killer, but yeah. But then he's out helping with the riots, right? Mm -hmm. So he's also, you know, they're very clearly picking sides, and it's more nuanced than it. Not that it should be. Like obviously, everything has so much more nuance than the media makes you look at. So that was definitely in the book. She covered that. And also I liked how she covered the the riots and the looting and the burning and how that affected the neighborhoods where one of them said, nobody in that neighborhood will even be able to buy a toothbrush. Mm -hmm. And it just focused on how this hurt the people who live there. Like it made things worse for them. And you know what? That sure sucked at the time. It still sucks now, and it uh, also sucked to read about. Yep. But at this point, once we kind of get past here, this is kind of where I started liking what I was reading more. It's like, okay, I can do this. I'm here. Not me. This is where I swapped over to it became a slog for me. Yeah. The second we got into now and just the last year, I kind of at this point had realized, okay, I'm not getting a ghost story. I'm not getting any of this. We're like there was still native culture in it, which is kind of what I was hoping for from this author. And there was tons of that. Like I can't say that there wasn't, but I just 
it wasn't giving me what I wanted from it. And it was giving me a lot of what I didn't want. So it was getting harder to keep going. And by the time we realized that this wasn't what we thought, it's too late to go back and reread (laughs) and get something else from it. Yes. I think. At this point, I was like, just get, get through it. Finish it. Yeah. There were still lots of good parts. There were bright spots. But for me, it just, yeah, got a lot harder. And there is so much more than what we're saying. Like this book had so much, so many things going on in it, but I couldn't find the meaning of them. So I just left it out. I could, I think, like I could loosely tell you, I just, I didn't give it my true effort. Mm-hmm. Which is on me, guys. I'm sorry. Yeah. If you love this book, you are right. You are right to. I am sure it is good. But man, it was too hard. <laughs> so hard. Okay, so Hedda admits to Tookie that she has acted in a porno. That's how she met Laurent. He was the editor of the movie, and he admits that he deleted every scene that she was in, and then he took off. Which, Laurent sure was <sighs> seesawing all over the place in this book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wasn't really sure what to make of him most of the time. Oh my god. His stupid werewolf story. Oh my god. This is another thing. I was like, why? What is this? And it's not called a werewolf. What was it? Ruggaroo or something. Oh, I was going to say a poochie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, a ruggaroo. That's right. Oh, sorry. You're going to talk about it, I see. But oh god. I was listening to that for so long. I was like, first of all, Hedda, come on, girl. Whatever. After he tells the whole story, she's like, oh my God, you're amazing. Let's go have crazy animalistic sex. <laughs> uh, I was like, what? Is this like, you know, about, you're right, this about identity? And- mm-hmm. Yeah, it was definitely on <laughs> Pollock's and Tookie's side here. I guess you have a 15 year old. You're going to have to start meeting boyfriends and stuff, and mm-hmm. they're going to be weird, and you got to just kind of smile and nod. Yep, I've done that a few times. Yep, already. <laughs> yeah, no ruggeries yet? No, not yet, but close. It's coming. Close. <laughs> close. But it was nice that he deleted all of her porno scenes. That was good. I wasn't sure whether or not to believe him, but by the end I did. Yeah, that was a good thing to do. So, I mean, you know, not perfect, but that was nice. And this is where Flora tries to possess Tuki, her witch is what Tuki has been afraid of all along. And according to her, Flora pushed her over, sat on her, and forced her way into her body. Like we said, she unzipped her down the spine and tried to wear her, but there was not enough room inside of Tuki for both of them, so she couldn't do it. So weird. I mean, this was kind of like the best scene of the book, though. (laughs) I don't know. It was probably just Tuki passing out again. (laughs) Well, yeah, then she passed out. It was creepy and gross. I should have kept a running tally of how many times she passes out in this book. (laughs) Yeah, um, doesn't work. I don't understand why Flora would do that, though. Yeah, Flora was a nice person. She was misdirected and not perfect, but generally she was a good person. So I don't really see her ghost trying to possess Tuki. So why why did Tuki think this? Also, she's known Tuki her entire life, like I said, since she was in the womb. So I've known Callie since she was in the womb. You've known Cambria since she was in the womb. Mm -hmm. Now they're in their 40s. And for some reason, we're haunting them. I would have no desire to wear Callie as a Callie suit. No, not at all. <laughs> like I've known you your whole life, kid. Why would I do that to you? <laughs> There's many other people I don't know or care about that I would rather possess and wear a suit. Right? <laughs> than something that you've known literally their entire life. Yeah. <sighs> it's very weird. Is it weird that I have a preference for who I would wear? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in this case, you have to. 
Like yeah. this book has left us no choice. <laughs> Tuki has left us no choice. We have to decide who we want to wear as suits. <laughs> Never thought we'd get here, but here we are. <laughs> this podcast is getting dark. <laughs> Uh, so we switch to Pollux's point of view briefly after he finds Tookie passed out, sleeping on the floor of the bookstore. Uh, I would love to go sleep on the floor of a bookstore, though, to be fair. <laughs> Let's do it. Oh, my God. Honestly, the fact that I haven't, have I? I mean, I probably have. You might have. I've met me. Yeah. <laughs> so we find out that Tookie sometimes cracks, as he calls it. The last time she did it, Hedda didn't talk to her for a year. But this was the longest she'd held it together, and he thought that maybe she had done some self-work he didn't know about or that maybe his prayers worked okay what did she do to crack pass out i don't know like i wanted to know more about this cracking i did not see her crack she just has like breakdowns every once in a while oh she's just really sleepy yeah but she also thought someone was trying to wear her as a suit so but somebody like, was trying to wear her as a suit <laughs> well so she says yeah i mean she, she obviously said something to Hedda, and well, it was bad enough that Hedda didn't talk to her for a year so i don't Hedda got mad because she asked if the father was paying child support and didn't talk to her for like a month. Yeah, so I wanted to know more about this cracking because it seems to be common, but... Also, she spent 10 years in prison. She should be way more cracked. <laughs> yeah, right. Instead, this time, she goes into a deep depression and spends all of her time in bed until one day Hedda comes in and cries, cries, cries at her bedside because Laurent told her that he is a ruggaroo. Like we said, which means that Jarvis is one too. He will turn into a werewolf. I thought he was going to have like some horrible yeah. disease that his <laughs> yeah. baby was going to have. Well, that's what Hedda said. Hedda says, he's admitted that he has this horrible genetic disease. Is Laurent stupid? <laughs> I think Laurent might be stupid. <laughs> yes, I think so too. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, so the Ruggeru is basically a werewolf and... Tuki now gets out of bed because she's like, I got to hear this. I'm sorry. I can't get over it. How <laughs> mad. Good Lord. If I had been. And then Andrew's like, I have to tell you about this horrible genetic thing that's going to really damage our child. And then doesn't tell me that it's because he's a werewolf. Like, <laughs> so that I could instantly punch him. <laughs> right. So much punching. Let's me go and cry to my mom before he'll even... <laughs> Come yep. on. And he had that stupid book. And Tookie's already <laughs> confronted him. What's a Ruggaroo? And I was like, what the hell is a Ruggaroo? Yeah. That was silly. <laughs> and what's this weird book that he's written in his weird secret language of his people? <sighs> it's brought up so many times. So after evading it all year, Pollux gets COVID. And he gets bad COVID. Yeah. Not the good kind. He does not get the COVID like we got. At first, he just isolates in another room. And then he gets sicker and sicker and has to be hospitalized. At first, Tookie is able to talk to him on FaceTime, although she never leaves the parking lot of the hospital. But then his condition worsens and he can't talk at all anymore. They had set up that he had a lung thing before. Mm -hmm. So it does make sense that he got it this bad. I wasn't sure. I was like, maybe she just wrote this before everybody in the world had COVID. And like most of us just had a flu for two days. Mm-hmm. But uh, we also got COVID light. Yeah. So, yeah. actually, no, you didn't even get COVID. No. Oh, <laughs> I'm lucky. Just you. <laughs> Just me. Uh, and like uh, millions of other people around the world, but not me. Only me. <laughs> Mostly just me, though. <laughs> if we're going to make it about somebody, probably yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. 
he had indicated that he didn't want to be kept on a ventilator if it came to that. And when Tokian had to find that out, they are really scared. And for a while, it seems like he might die. But he fights it, recovers, and eventually gets to go home. I don't know Andrew had a no ventilator. <laughs> I'd be so mad. You're not dying of COVID because you didn't want the ventilator. Come yeah. on. That's not, that's not the line that you draw. No. <laughs> yeah, luckily he survives. But this was like, I was, this was pretty, was, I could feel it was scary. I didn't want Pollux yeah. to die. I was invested in him. I liked him a lot as a character. So I felt for Tuki. This is where she kind of starts like loosening up a little bit and kind of like softening. So that baby really helped. And yeah. Hedda not being a total bitch help. Yeah. She finally has like this relationship with her. And I, I like Doki just fine. <sighs> <laughs> you also like me though. So Yeah, that's true. I, I just mean. <laughs> say I like most things. Oh <laughs> uh, well. <laughs> yeah, I guess there's like a whole thing in the book where they talk about how being a mother changed Hedda and made her softer and kind of the same thing happens to Tuki if like Hedda finally kind of starts letting her in and now Tuki has Jarvis to help take care of and it also affects Tuki as well. Oh, I loved when he was at the bookstore with her. <laughs> She's taking care of him. Yeah, yeah, so cute. The whole day and she like does the bottle when he's in the wrap. Shouldn't you change him? Like, no, no, he's wearing a high-tech diaper. And she's just, like, getting pee on her. <laughs> yeah. I've been there. I've, I've been, there. been there, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, I guess I'm just going to smell like pee today. Most days, I don't know. Most days, <laughs> I just kind of smell a little like pee. It's all right. <laughs> Not my own pee most of the time, but... <laughs> unfortunately <laughs> or fortunately i'm not sure uh, yeah which one is i don't know <laughs> what's worse so asima finds out what killed flora while reading the manuscript that she dug up flora was always looking for a connection to an aboriginal heritage and she wanted it so badly and there was a photo that she found of her or someone gave her or something of her great 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 grandma or someone and she thought that the woman looked indigenous so she ran with that the name of the woman was on the back of the photo and when she was reading the stolen manuscript she came across the name from the photo and it turns out that the woman in the photo is actually the woman responsible for enslaving and torturing indigenous women turning them into sex workers and possibly even killing them so the sentence that killed her in the end was the woman recounting her story, revealing the name of the captor, and this completely unraveled the identity that Flora has hoped was hers, and instead, the very opposite of everything she wanted was true. Yeah. Uh, dramatic enough, Flora? Yeah, until she dies. <laughs> you died over it? She's pretty upset. She's pretty upset. I mean, at least Tookie just passes out all the time. <laughs> yeah, which is kind of a similar reaction. It's just not quite as extreme. If Flora's older, <laughs> she passed out, died from it. And then Tuki is just younger, so didn't quite get to like the full dying. She got close that one time when she started actually disintegrating. <laughs> uh, but when I found out that that was the line that killed Flora, I was like, really? You read your own name? Like, it sucks. Your hair, like... I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm a white person. I'm like, yeah. It turns out all of our ancestors were evil. Mm -hmm. Sucks. Yeah. Sorry, Flora. You are white. Your ancestors, evil. Evil. Just like the rest of us white people. It's horrible and humiliating. Sucks. We just have to make up for it now. Keep making up for it, Flora. 
I don't actually know what horrible things my ancestors did. I have not managed to get back that far. I uh, have no interest in knowing. (laughs) (laughs) I am just very sorry for whatever they are. That there's got to be somebody bad in there. Who knows? I mean, got to say, the white person track record isn't great. No. So. I have no hope. So they find out what Flora's full name was, Lily Florabella Tro. And I really like the name Florabella. Put that on your list. Okay, I will not. (laughs) But I also have a niece named Arabella, so I feel like that would be weird. But no, no, no thank you. Jarvis Florabella. (laughs) That's going to be your fourth kid's name. Luckily, it will never exist. (laughs) It will not. It will likely not exist. Unless just so many things go wrong. (laughs) And Tuki remembers what her full name is. So we should mention, Tuki says she doesn't know what her name is. She doesn't remember what her actual name is. No one's ever told her. She's just been going along as Tuki. That's it. (laughs) Which, no. What? (laughs) No. Come on, Tuki. She said, uh, Pollux knows what my real name is because he arrested me. But I don't know. I don't remember. And I'm like, hey, what is the meaning of not remembering your name? Not giving power to yourself? Not giving power to your past? Your She's even said that her mom wasn't that bad. Like, her mom sucked. Yeah. But compared to some moms, she was just... Absent. Yeah. And high. Which sucks. It's not great. But I don't know that it's like blank out your full name trauma. Yeah, but maybe it is. Maybe it is. I don't know. Maybe because Toki's so kind of reserved, it was hard to like see her being that emotional over it. Maybe. Like Sam says, you're just the same all the time, so I don't know when you're mad or upset or anything. (laughs) And then all of a sudden, you lose your mind. And I have no idea where it came from. (laughs) Oh, because I don't say anything out loud. Ah, yes. And I just have one way of being. I felt Mm -hmm. like that. But (laughs) yeah. So Tookie remembers where her full name is, and they're the same because Flora helped Tookie's mother stay clean when she was pregnant with her, and when Tookie was born, she was given Flora's name. There you go. Yeah. Tookie is Lily Florabella Trobopair. That's why she was haunted. Flora wanted some gratitude. Flora, you are so dramatic. <laughs> or Tookie knew she needed to give it, and then she gives it for fake. <laughs> like, thanks flora yeah <laughs> right yeah when she says thank you flora's ghost leaves the bookshop yes so what was that about <laughs> <laughs> like if this is what happened cool but i just it, i don't understand what happened what was real and what wasn't real does it matter i don't know but i actually i did like this whole thing I, I would have liked it better if tuki didn't know didn't realize you know but she she just didn't tell us the entire book yeah she knew right she would always start thinking about it and then she'd pass out yeah which is a very convenient tool louise <laughs> yeah. i feel like it was slightly overused however <laughs> maybe i'll start using it in my own life if you're falling down <laughs> just seems like it would hurt <laughs> No, we'll just go to like an acting class. We'll learn how to do some falls. Yeah. Um, Anytime anyone says something that we don't want to talk about, pass it out. It would make me so happy. There's no <laughs> way I could fake it. I would just laugh and laugh yeah. and laugh <laughs> until I actually passed out. <laughs> uh, then whoever's trying to talk to you about something really important, 
would no longer want to talk to you anymore, which I mean, would be good unless nobody wants to talk to me anyways. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but uh, this is where I stopped writing what happened in the book. And then I thought, is this was this the end? I can't remember. Yeah. Was I'm sure they like tied up some random stuff that had nothing to do with anything. Oh, I think it was the end. Okay. Crap. You even said, make sure you pay attention to the end. Oh, well, it was the end of anything I cared about. Yeah, it was pretty much the end. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> let's uh, move on to some discussion questions because this is book club. Thank you, by the way, to everyone who joined in on the discussion on Instagram and Facebook. We love talking to you guys. So keep joining in. Thank you. Yes. Number one, discuss the character Tookie and how she changes over the course of the novel. Well, she was a drug addict. And then she was not. And then she was not. So there's that. I mean, as far as we know, she does do some weird stuff. That kind of seems like she is on drugs. But as far as we know, as far as she tells us, she's not on drugs. She's not. She reads really a lot. Yeah. I mean, like I said, she's really kind of hard to get to know. And she's really closed off. And then by the end, she kind of opens up a little bit. She's a pretty good mom. Pretty good grandma. Yeah. Pretty good wife. She's okay. She has a bad name. I mean- Tookie sucks, and also her real name kill almost killed her. So, so I mean, Tookie's better than a name that almost kills you. It's true. If you had to name your kid Tookie or Florabella, oh my god, Florabella, obviously. Yeah, but. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is a great name. You know, you want it. <laughs> she was fine. She was kind of yeah, whatever. She was kind of a boring character in my. I opinion. liked her. I liked her fine. Yeah, I guess it's kind of boring if I have to say I liked her fine. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My head wasn't blown off or anything by this character. Um, So the sentence asks what we owe to the living, the dead, to the reader, and to the book. What do you think of this statement? The sentence asks what we owe to the living, money, the dead, money. (laughs) (laughs) So much money. To the reader and to the book. I I do not owe any readers. No, that's not true. I probably owe you money. Who knows anymore? Who even knows? I don't know. This is the statement that is written on the book and everyone says about the book. And I don't know. What I we mean, owe to the living, the dead, to the reader, to the book. We owe respect, I guess. You're supposed to respect the dead. Yeah. Don't steal their bodies. Don't take yeah. crack to it. Make sure you burn the right one. There's a lot of body stuff in this book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Forgiveness to the living because they're still alive understanding i don't know i was just making stuff up because i don't know what this means and i don't know what anybody owes anything were you hoping i was gonna be waiting yes you're supposed to be the smart one of the group (laughs) you know what i try i try what we owe to the living the dead to the reader and to the book so the reader and the living would be parallels and the dead in the book would be parallels Mm -hmm. right because they the reader and the living are both still around and are moving changing beings the dead in the book would be like immovable, done things. So yeah. I don't know, but there's probably something there. Help us understand because <laughs> this seems to be an important question. I want to know. Respect to the dead in the book. Uh, I don't know. A chance to the living and the reader. Give them yeah. the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. How's that? I, mean, I gave this book the benefit of the doubt. And I, the doubt won. <laughs> What does that mean? I don't know. Actually, that's question three. Um, No, it's not. (laughs) Kind of. (laughs) Moving on. Anyone wants to help us out with that one, please do. Please. Oh, my God. Best underscore book of (laughs) outlook.com. 
What did you think of the author's cameo in the book? I always love a cameo. That's not true. I don't always love a cameo, but I do like an author self-insert. Yeah, I, I I love cameos. Sometimes I get mad. I always think they're fun. Yeah, but if I'm reading like a normal book and there's like, and then Elvis walked by, I'm like, oh, way <laughs> <Okay>. Elvis. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I like <laughs> those kinds, not so much. But when they're like, the author of the book is making their own cameo or like the when M. Night Shyamalan is, does cameos in all of his movies. I love it. Mm-hmm. It's so cool. I fun. do love that. But Stephen yeah. King writes himself into the Dark Tower. Yeah, that awesome. some people hate it. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Come on, why not? Why wouldn't you write your own self into your book? Like, here's your chance. Come on, when you're established enough that you can do it, do it. <laughs> what does the title, the sentence, mean to the story? Well, it's her prison sentence. It's the sentence, which was actually just her name. Yeah, the sentence that killed her. Uh, the the manuscript was called The Sentence. Which was then about the enslavement of... Oh, you know what else? COVID and isolation and all those things. That's a bit of a sentence. We completely yep. did not talk about the one bookstore customer. Dissatisfaction? Dissatisfaction. He's one of my favorite parts. Okay. Talk about him. Yeah, he was great. He was great. <laughs> <laughs> He's a guy who has read everything... He just comes in all the time and is like, what have you got for me today? And then they try to give him books and he's like, no. Then he slowly warms up. He's got a dog and then the dog dies. Yeah. Well, he goes into the hospital and then the dog dies and the spirit travels to tell her the satisfaction is in the hospital. Because apparently sometimes animals will step up and take your death for you. Oh, yeah. I did like that. They'll like take your bullet. I thought it was nice. So the dog died instead of dissatisfaction. Yeah. I I just liked him. I thought he was a good part of the book. But yeah, the sentence, it means so many things. Yeah, there's very quite a few layers in this book that you have to peel back. I didn't do it very much. But there are many sentences in this book. So many. (laughs) (laughs) So. Uh, Excellent point. I bet you guys came here to learn something, didn't you? Hmm. <laughs> okay, well, the sentence, the the manuscript that's called the sentence was about a woman, a native woman who was sentenced to live her life as a, a white woman. So it's also a lot about um kind of the whitewashing of indigenous culture and and that kind of being a sentence to all indigenous people now, because they kind of have to really fight to reclaim that culture but also live in this white world always yes i feel like you could write an essay on this question yeah there's a lot to it for sure yeah i actually wrote down a little quote that pentestamon pentestamon the other one said uh she said we've endured centuries of being erased and sentenced to live in a replacement culture which sums that up yep next <laughs> the sentence is one of the first of many novels that will explore the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic. What are your thoughts of the inclusion of it in this book? Negative. We already talked about that. Yeah, didn't love it. Next question. Really puts it in a space and time, hey? Yeah. Like, this book very, very much took place early 2020, late 2019. Mm. Did you find the pacing weird? Mm. I think 
because I have one billion children. I was doing everything by Jarvis. And so mm. it seemed like three months would pass, but then Jarvis was still just it's like, shouldn't he be doing more stuff now? Yeah, but, right. Because by the end of the book, he should have been. I think he was about a year by the end. It would have only been a year, but it kept seeming like he should, like more stuff happened or more time passed. Yeah. Then, like maybe I just, it felt like the gaps between things that happened were longer than they really were. But it felt strange to me. I did not notice. But. Oh, yeah. I also did not love it. It was, I don't want to read about COVID. The other major event that happened during the start of the pandemic was the murder of George Floyd. Why was this event important to the story? Well, it was important. Yeah. Yeah. You you can't, you can't tell the story without touching on that at least. And she, the story is set in Minneapolis. So it was a very, just a very big event in just history. It was the turning point of black lives matter. And yeah, a reckoning. That's what mm-hmm. the that's what the synopsis said, right? Yeah, um, with Pollux being a cop, and yeah, the setting. It's also set during the pandemic, right? So they also touched on it's like, oh, I'm distancing by handing out chili on the other side of a table because mm-hmm. I remember that being a big concern during all of the riots. Yeah, because we still didn't know a ton about COVID. And then these two events that were both these big, important, just culture-changing events happened pretty much at the same time. It's very strange. It's been a strange couple of years. Yeah. Uh, what did you think of the ending, Jen? I liked it. Although I wish that I knew what was real and what was not real. But Because nothing told us it wasn't real. I just assume everything was real. It was like there's two books Two separate books written and then smashed together. Yeah, I can see that. Because we've got like really real life stuff like COVID and George Floyd. And then we've got this weird ghost stuff happening. And I mean, I like to, I think I believe, you know, I believe in ghosts, but I just didn't believe in this ghost story. It gets so tied into culture, like native culture, the ghost, Mm -hmm. that I don't know if I'm being insulting if I say like, oh, I didn't like the way that was handled because like maybe, I don't know, maybe she put a ton of thought into it. I feel like she did because they did like all the smudging. They had that Catholic confessional in the Mm -hmm. store too that had like all the symbols and I think there was so much more there than I was reading into. So I feel Mm -hmm. like by saying, oh, I didn't really care about it, there's probably like six layers that I'm not acknowledging. Yeah. But the ending was good. It was, yeah, I read the book. It was solidly fine. It's probably better. Yeah. Are those uh, your final thoughts? Those are all my thoughts. Fine book, even though I hated every second I was reading it almost. (laughs) I don't think it was the book's fault. Maybe it was. But considering everyone loves this book, I think it was a me problem. But I mean, if you guys liked it or didn't like it, or you have anything to say about it, like, come on, let us know. Yeah, we want to hear it. Think we're wrong? So do we. So yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe don't bother telling us about that one this time. <laughs> but I guess, yeah, that's all that we have for you this week. 
Thanks so much for joining us for Book Club. Next month, we are reading The Lighthouse Witches by Carolyn Jess Cook. It is a story about a woman who goes to an island in Scotland with her three daughters to paint a mural. And while there, gets caught up in some history surrounding the Scotland witch trials. It is dark and creepy and witchy. So if you want to join in on the discussion, pick up a copy and read along with us. Our discussion is going to start on Instagram and Facebook on April 20th. So if you haven't already, head over there and give us a follow at best underscore book club so you don't miss it. And if you're interested, our mid-month book discussion is going to be about Emily St. John Mandel's new book, Sea of Tranquility, which comes out on April 5th. We are so excited about this one, and we are going to be talking about it on the 13th. If you want to let us know what you think about any of the books we talk about on the show, send us an email at best underscore book club at outlook.com. And if you want even more content from us, head over to patreon.com slash best book club, where you can subscribe to our bonus podcast feed for just $3 a month. Otherwise, we'll see you next week. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. You're doing this to me on purpose. Yes. <laughs> <laughs>